and welcome to the Point of Care Ultrasound Certification Academy podcast, where we focus on POCUS. Here, we will discuss all things related to Point of Care Ultrasound, the practice, the trends, and its impact on healthcare. Our program will engage thought leaders who are defining global patient care with the stethoscope of the future. Hi, James Day recording live from the Focus on Poker studios here in Media PA. Today we have Dr. Gordy Johnson as our honored guest uh, from way out on the West Coast. So Dr. Gordon Johnson is MD, FHM, graduated from the University of Washington School of Medicine in 1994, internal medicine residency 1997, hospitalist and president of the medical staff at Legacy Emanuel Medical Center, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Dr. Johnson, how are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Is Portland still weird? Uh, Portland is still very weird. That's yep. good. What's what's the donut shot on the corner everybody waits in line to get to? That's Voodoo Donuts. Voodoo yeah. Donuts, I remember that. It's a must if you come to Portland, yeah. Yeah, if you like rain, let's go to Portland. So, Is it as bad as Seattle? Uh, yeah, it's about the same as far as rain, yeah. <laughs> Traffic's a lot better, though, but changing quickly. <laughs> Is there anything you want to tell us more? Uh, can I call you Gordy? Yeah, sure. Okay. Anything you, know, uh, you want to tell us more about uh, your esteemed background and how you came to be here at this moment? Well, it's not esteemed, but I guess if I'm here, <laughs> I'm esteemed. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I went to school in Seattle. I went to med school up in mm-hmm. Seattle. I did six months of my med school in India. And that kind of sparked my interest a lot and furthered it in global health that wow. time. So been here. I've worked at the university as an HIV specialist for a while. I've done traditional internal medicine, outpatient and inpatient, and switched to being what we call a hospitalist now in 2007. I continue to do some ambulatory urgent care uh, emergency rooms, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, so when was, uh, when, when was your first kiss, so to speak, with POCUS, point of care ultrasound? Yeah, so I... Tried to, t- you know, we were trying to teach ourselves ultrasound. Ever since I was a resident, we were putting in lines, and we had a machine up there, and we would throw it on the neck and look and find the vessels, and then take the probe off and poke towards the vessel. And most of the time, we were successful, and sometimes we weren't. And um, you know, it was, it was frustrating trying to teach yourself this. And for years, doing ultrasound, I combined it with um, what I called physical exam rounds with the residents. Sometimes, so we had an ultrasound with us, and. Mm-hmm. I went up to one of my partner's patients that was in heart failure and was getting diuresed, and we put the probe on the chest, and we immediately saw a big, huge pericardial effusion. Mm. And that's when I realized, because that markedly changes your management, I immediately called my partner. I said, stop the diuresis and called cardiology to do a paracentesis. And, and, and then I said, well, you know, I need to get some formal training in this because this is really valuable. Um, so... Yeah, that was my first kiss. And I always ask people that because if you talk to POCUS people, there's usually that initial case that really solidified um, their interest in ultrasound. They realized that it you know, really helps the patient get the diagnosis much quicker and much more safe. That patient probably would have been diagnosed eventually, but they would have developed hypotension from the diuresis, been rushed down to the ICU, got a stat echo, and yeah. you know, probably faced <clears throat> a certain uh, amount of harm there. Yeah, that's kind of uh, in a similar vein. 
you know, I used to work at Graduate Hospital. We had a cardiology fellowship, and I remember uh, this is in the mid '90s, uh, training the guys, um, and like, uh, hey, you guys can do this subcostal. Just push here, and I've made a fellows uh, button. Just press this for all the presets. But I, I did it because I didn't like getting beeped at four in the morning and having to come in and do something those guys could surely do. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And they got good at it. Yeah. And who knew back then, right? Right, right. So uh, uh, let's see. What is it about the POCUS provider community that sort of brings them so close together? You know, we noticed this right off. I mean, mm-hmm. you sit down at a conference and it's like, why do we all get along so good? I mean, I go to millions of, not millions, many medical yeah. conferences and, now they're good, but at POCUS, I noticed immediately, it was just like you had this instant bond, and um, I've been in conferences in Europe and here, and what we've decided, I think, is that it's just a group of physicians that really do care about their patients, not that other physicians don't, but they discovered this technology that they could use to really help patients, so it brings together this kind of common uh, value, I would say, uh, in patients, and I really love the POCUS community, and I think most of the people you've talked to probably uh, feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think there's a commonality uh, where you're sort of a little subgroup of, a, you know, a larger group, definitely. Uh, so I guess, are you a sol- uh, Sona evangelist? <laughs> I think I am. You know, I forget who coined that term initially. Well, but... preach it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, we are religious zealots about this, you know, and I'm not a religious person, but mm-hmm. I think it's the same where you feel like there's this thing that you know about that you got to save the souls of all these other providers and teach them focus. <laughs> so, um, you know, my partners kid me about it. I'm always with the ultrasound and, um, you know, we take a lot of our personal time to teach, but we're happy to do it because we do really feel like it, uh, it helps the patients so much. And also it's helping the providers. And there's a lot of talk now about, physician wellness and burnout. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you have something like this that you're continuing to learn, um, you know, it's very rewarding uh, and you're helping the patients. I think it really helps prevent burnout also. So that's why we preach it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think with this audience, you're preaching to the choir, but you're, you're right with your uh, fellow, fellow colleagues and stuff. Absolutely. I think, I think yeah, you're spot on yeah. with that. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just thinking offhand here, because you already named a case which sort of led you into uh, point-of-care ultrasound. Is there maybe a recent example, a clinical case that was a great uh, POCUS case, something similar? Yeah, we've had many, and especially overseas, but but in the States. I I think Mm -hmm. the one that comes to mind, um, we were rounding and doing volume assessments, and one of the things we look at is the IVC. I know that's very controversial now, and I'd be the first to say don't only use the IVC for your volume assessment, but we were looking at it, and then we noticed a vessel next to it, and that's typically the aorta, and there was just this big white line going down it, and we thought, well, what's that? You know, oh, So we boy. have a rule in POCUS, right? Always get it two views. Mm-hmm. So um, there I was using the liver as my window, so I went up above into the abdomen, and sure enough, there was a big dissection in the uh, abdominal aorta, and we asked the patient, you know, your feet, you feel anything there? Or is it cold? And he's like, yeah, they're kind of cold, and we checked pulses, and they were low, and mm. so we did switch him down to the ICU, and he had a big aortic dissection. So, you know, we stumbled on that. Um, probably would have been noticed eventually. Maybe he would have you know, got more symptoms in his feet and things, but 
Yeah, that's one that definitely comes to mind. We have many, many of those. What about something, uh, maybe uh, something across the ponds uh, overseas? Where do you spend a lot of your time when you overseas? So lately it's been, uh, I was in Africa and uh, Norway, and then we had a a four-month training program in Haiti that we did for providers there um, also. So unfortunately in Africa there's a lot of rheumatic heart disease, and we just had a Mm -hmm. case of mitrosognosis and mitral regurgitation and it had a big mass in the um in the atrium and what we decided was that was probably a clot even though over here i would have said well that looks like a myxoma but pretest probability with a rheumatic heart case had a big big clot in her heart so we anticoagulated her and um uh, trying to get her to the uh, capital to get heart surgery hopefully but yeah i i noticed that i did some time in haiti and i remember um finding stuff that i knew sort of you know even at rest this looks sketchy, ischemic heart area, which is hard to see, obviously. Like, boy, I wish I had a treadmill. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so we could do yeah. maybe a, you know, maybe a stress test, uh, ultrasound stress test or something. Right, right. So you want to tell us more why you concentrate so much of your time teaching uh, and developing countries and overseas? Sounds like you're a real globetrotter. I have been. I just put my youngest in college, so oh, perfect. I've had a more time to do that now, which is <laughs> I think, you know, it's that thing that reminds me, I think it was Willie Sutton, that bank robber, and they said, why do you rob banks? And he said, well, that's because that's where the money is. <laughs> so I feel like in developing countries, you know, you can, the amount of help you can do is so tremendous because in a lot of these places we go, um, you know, there is no CT scanner, there's no echo tech, there's no cardiologist. So all you have is POCUS. And these providers, all they had before was stethoscopes mm-hmm. and you know, now with the advent of these newer machines that are even more affordable and handheld, um, it's possible to do a fundraiser here, you know, bring a machine with you, teach a bunch of providers there. And it's the gift that keeps on giving because you leave and, you know, they can continue to scan their patients and, and help all those patients. I mean, I used to do primarily medical missions, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. You go in for a week, you know, with 10 or 20 providers. It's a great deal of fun. You see tons of patients. Um, but, you know, you're just over there putting a Band-Aid on, and you're really not helping the patients so much when you think about it. And you can even be competing with the local healthcare providers. So um, rather than giving a man a fish, you know, teach teach them to fish, provide them the fishing pole. And so that's really what we're concentrating on now. Yeah, that's that's very rewarding, too. And you get to see a lot of the world. And you're right. Once you launch, you know, your children, you've got all the time in the world to do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to throw, uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession other than my own would I like to attempt? <laughs> sure. Um, soccer coach. I love soccer. You do I love, love soccer. soccer all over the world, yeah. Coached <laughs> when I was a kid, or, or when my kids were young, rather, and uh, probably would want to be doing that, yeah, if I wasn't a doctor. So if there was, uh, let me think, there's, so if there's something uh, like anything else in medicine, mm-hmm. uh, there's no perfect tools and we're working in a hyper-complex system in this country with many variables. Do you see uh, POCUS possibly streamlining some of that, Speak talking about the process mostly? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, again, we – I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but you make the diagnosis so much quicker, you know, uh, with POCUS when it's right in the hands of the clinician that's seeing the patient. And so even for triage, um, when you're in these remote places – um, you know, like a rheumatic heart, you can't do the heart surgery there, but you can get the diagnosis and get them to the place where they need to be. 
Um, we, we had a great case one time. I We had a group down in Haiti, and I had my residents doing morning report here, and the patient came in with constipation, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. and their belly was a little distended. So the group down there put the ultrasound on, and they saw ascites. And it's like, okay, well, let's look over at the liver. And the liver really looked pristine. It was not looking cirrhotic at all. So we thought, well, we got to think this over further. Let's look up at the heart and the lungs. There's no evidence of heart failure. Um, so then, unfortunately, in this woman who was in her 60s, you have to think of malignancy. So mm-hmm. they took the probe down into her pelvis and found a mass in her pelvis. And although that certainly wasn't the diagnosis people were hoping for, you know, she, she, I've worked in these places. She would have lingered there for days, getting laxatives for her, you know, so-called constipation, not getting better, not being better, mm-hmm. finally discharged, maybe make it to the capital where she could get a CT or something. But, um, you know, I just, we really felt better. And it turns out that the, the um, patient had opted just for palliative care, which they actually had those services there in that small town. So, uh, you know, it was stuff like that that definitely streamlines and saves them all the expense and trouble of, you know, sitting in the hospital for days and then having to go into the capital or something. Yeah, and they come, most of them come so far. I remember there were people oh, yeah. three, four hours away. They came and right. lines out to the, around the block yeah. when you're doing that. Any more uh, neat uh, global stories? Well, what you just said reminds me, when we were in Nepal one time, I, one day, you know, the clinic wasn't that busy. I saw probably 20 or 30 patients, which isn't a lot. And the next day, there was like 60 or 70 out of my door. Huh. And, and I asked the director of the clinic, I was like, what's going on? He goes, the word that video x-rays in the village got out. <laughs> so I had all these pregnant women lined up. I thought that was great. Video x-ray. But, <laughs> video x-rays. <laughs> yeah. And there's all kinds of stories. I mean, I, I was Yeah, let's home. hear some because I know I, all right. the funny one that happened to us is the, there was a guy going around in a truck. Like probably like that movie. It's an old movie, '80s movie. The Blues Brothers. They they had a speaker on strapped to the top, and he had a microphone, and he was basically saying, "United States doctors taking ultrasound and just going up and down the street." And all, it was just we were inundated. It was like my arm yeah. was going to fall yeah. off, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, flying back from India, there was a patient in distress on the plane, and I always hand carry on my ultrasound for oh, obvious God. reasons, and. Yeah. So I got it on him and looked at him, and he had a um, big obstructed kidney. Um, so that was my first time diagnosing something at 35,000 feet. Wow. But it was reassuring that that's all it was. We didn't have to land the plane. I'm not saying that there needs to be an ultrasound on every plane, but you know, I used to always travel with my stethoscope, but now I try to have a personal ultrasound with me whenever I'm on those international flights and stuff. Do you have a real small one, like a butterfly or a clarius or one of those? I've used the butterfly. Currently, I'm using a lumify. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have an IVIS um, in our hospital that we round with. So I feel pretty strongly, and I know a lot of my colleagues disagree with me, but we move around as hospitalists so much yeah. that if it's not in your pocket, you end up not going down to the ICU and pulling it out of the closet. And, you know, you have a charge nurse there asking where you're going. And if it's in your pocket, you're just going to pull it out. Sure. Scan so many people, and you know it's like anything. I say, you know, you don't learn to ride a bike by listening to lectures. You just get on a bike and ride. And <laughs> I think ultrasound's the same. You got to just keep it in your hand and scan. I always say I'm probably doing 80 to 90 percent of the scans that are what I call educational. I'm there with the residents or med students or even myself. I just had a patient with a staghorn calculus in his kidney, and it's like, well, let's see what this looks like, you know. And you just, the more you do it, the more you learn. So having it in your pocket is essential, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I do. I know teaching it. I always tell it's we really don't want to give you yet another PowerPoint. We just want you to, you know, it's like tennis or golf. You, you have to keep at it to get a good skill yeah. level, muscle recruitment. Really, it's really right. about that. So if you're thinking about others that are considering, you know, perhaps learning about point of care on sound, you have any advice for them? Well, you just really gave it, really. Yeah, it? I think much, so. Get yeah. one in your hand and scan as much as you can. And I always say, <laughs> e- even if you're isolated, like if you see a patient come in and they've got a finding on a CT, pull this, pull it up on the screen, put the ultrasound on the patient, and just teach yourself what it looks like. I mean, it's definitely best to get hands-on, and you really do need that with a mentor. But, um, you know, you can learn a lot just from the technology that we do have. You know, again, when you're out in a small village in a rural uh, resource limited setting, that's impossible. There is no formal study to back up your findings. But when we're practicing here, um, you know, you can definitely do it. Gordy, yeah. I'm going to get me a t shirt, okay. what you just said. And uh, I'm going to quote you. All right. Get one in your hand and scan as much as you can. That's all you need to know. Yeah. So you got to send me one, okay? <laughs> the One Minute University. Get one in your hand and scan as much as you can. Exactly. <laughs> and you got to put holes in the front of the chart, in front of the shirt, like where the peristernal long and short is and apical, and, <laughs> and you can scan yourself. That's even so better. You, you give me. You got to give me fifty percent of the profits on that T-shirt. Oh yeah, we'll put them in a little bungee sh- T-shirt can in a PVC and shoot them out onto the crowds and stuff at a big at show. Conferences. There you All go. Right. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dr. Johnson, thank you for taking the time to be here on today's show. My pleasure. Very fun, and uh, we appreciate the audience for listening in, and don't forget that there's more Pocus Talk on Twitter at Pocus Academy and on Facebook at Pocus Cert Academy. And it was an honor to have you on our podcast. A lot of fun. Thank you. All right. See All right. you later. See ya. Bye. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast, Focus on Pocus. Be sure to tune in with us next week for more interviews with thought leaders that are on the forefront of global point of care ultrasound. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests and not those of Intelios. This podcast is for information purposes only.